New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Basically, in life, we all want the same things. We want care, understanding, empathy, and appreciation. One avenue that will take us there is to become master communicators. Most of us have little or no training how best to communicate in ways that foster deep trust and intimacy. So we might ask the question, is there hope for us to master the skill of communication without having to get a PhD? Our guest today enthusiastically encourages us with a resounding yes. Yes, we can become masters in communication. Over many decades, he has reached millions of people around the world to help them develop a superpower of caring, understanding, and empathy through a series of specific and effective exercises. Join us as we explore the skill of communicating well for a deeper, more profound connection with others with our guest, Jonathan Robinson. Jonathan Robinson is a psychotherapist, workshop leader, and keynote speaker. His work has been translated into 47 languages, and he's made numerous appearances on The Oprah Show, CNN, and many other national TV shows, and speaks regularly to Fortune 500 companies. He has spent more than 40 years studying the most practical and powerful methods for personal and professional development and is known for providing powerful and immediately effective tools and techniques that lead to more love and less conflict. He's the author of many books, including Life's Big Questions, Shortcuts to Success, The Absolute Best Ways to Master Your Money, Time, Health, and Relationships, Find Happiness Now, 50 Shortcuts to Bring More Joy, Balance, and Love into Your Life. The Technology of Joy, the 101 Best Apps, Gadgets, Tools, and Supplements for Feeling More Delight in Your Life, and More Love, Less Conflict, a Communication Playbook for Couples. Join us for the next hour as we explore methods for experiencing a deeper, more profound connection with the significant people in our lives with our guest. Jonathan Robinson. I'm Justine Willis-Thoms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Jonathan, welcome. Great to be with you, Justine. 
Oh, it's so great to have you. Uh, it's um, this is a great subject. You know, uh, oftentimes in new dimensions, we refer to um, relationship as a conscious crucible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, so, in your experience, what do you find is the most challenging and difficult part in a committed relationship? Well, when you're in a long-term relationship, there's always two issues that create problems. And it's always the same two issues. It's uh, blame and lack of understanding. And, you know, I've been married about 20 years. I've never once, upon telling my wife everything she was doing wrong, did she respond by saying, Oh, yeah, now I see what you're talking about. I'm going to have to change. Thank you for showing the errors of my ways. That's never (laughs) happened. You know, blame never works. But that's the way we're taught to speak to each other in relationships in this culture. So the good news is when you learn how to speak without blame, some you can create a lot more love and a lot less conflict. Well, um, easier said than done. And I know that you, you, you give us some guidance there. And one of the guides that you give us that occurs to me is to know the target. You talk about knowing the target. So if something's bugging us about our relationship or something Mm -hmm. happening in our relationship that's really bugging us. How would you suggest that we hold that or look at that that might be more constructive than just blaming? Yeah. Well, you know, if you know what you're after and if you know what your partner's after, you have a good map. You have a good chance of hitting the target if you know what it is. If you don't know what your target is, you're not going to hit it. So most people in general are after more care, understanding, and empathy. But if you know specifically what you want, for example, just filling in the sentence, right now what I'm really wanting is. You know, if you can tell your partner that, that's good information, or asking them, what are you really wanting? Because, you know, blame and self-righteousness and all the stuff we get into— that does not lead to love and intimacy and connection. So if you're wanting intimacy, for example, the word intimacy has the instructions in it, into me see. When you reveal stuff about yourself, you create that intimate connection, that into me see. And I think in this day and age where there's so many distractions and and so much busyness that people want intimate connection more than ever, but they don't necessarily know how to get there quickly, consistently, and easily. I want to ask you, when you say we want care, understanding, and empathy, what's the difference between understanding and empathy? Understanding is more intellectual. Like, I I get your how you're looking at this. Empathy is more active in showing you that I really feel your feelings. So, you know, I can say, I understand, but you might not feel that understood until I say, that must have really hurt when I said that. Boy, I'm really sorry that you got hurt by that. That's, that's empathy. And the good news is people want it so much that you can be poor at giving empathy and still shine because so few people are good at it. 
You know, I often use the example of Oprah. One of the times I was on her show, I said, how did you become so, you're currently the most loved person on the planet. How did that happen? And I don't know if you know her background, but she was put into the retarded class at school. She was gang raped at 10. She was raped again at 14, had a stillborn child, never lived in a house that even had a bathroom. And, you know, 20 years later, she's the most loved person on the planet. So I asked her, how'd you do that? And she said, it's all about showing your care, understanding, and empathy. And if you do that, you just shine because things work out really well. Well, I, I, I didn't know that background of, of Oprah. That's very, that's profound. Yeah, it's intense. Intense. So that goes to the question, no matter what our background is, a lot of times we, we want to blame that background that we've come up with yeah. as an excuse. Um, there's a, a place in your book and in the work that you do, you talk about taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. And probably at some point in her life, she she said, well, I can't change other things. I can't change my background, but... I can change myself right now and take responsibility for right now. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. In fact, I, I asked her, you know, what what made the change? And she said, I realized I didn't have really anything going for me other than that I cared about people. So I made a vow that I would show people that I care about them. And then she turned to her studio audience, which had just given her a standing ovation for walking in the room. And she said, seems like it turned out pretty good, don't you think? (laughs) Wow, wow. I, I just have to have you tell this wonderful story about when you had a basketball game uh, uh-huh. with a, a fellow who was a very good, much better basketball player than you were, and yeah. how how that worked for you. Well, it was a good lesson for me because in, in my freshman year, uh, my roommate was the best basketball player uh, in the school, and he'd always challenge me to a game of basketball because he wanted to put me in my place. <laughs> Because I was always a very good student, he was a he was always a good basketball player. So I, I figured, you know, brain can win over brawn. So I said, I'll I'll do it on one condition: I get to bring any one ounce gadget and place it anywhere I want on the court. And he said, Yeah, whatever turns you on. Okay, you know. So we go out to the court. I take out my little gadget, which was a blindfold. I put it in a strategic location, namely over his eyes, and I said, let the games begin. (laughs) So we played basketball. Now, admittedly, it was still a little close, (laughs) but I beat one of the best basketball players in America because, you know, if you throw enough things in the right general direction, sometimes something, you know, goes through. So... um, I was hit, uh, throwing a bunch of things at the basket, and every now and then I would score. He was throwing things in all random directions, and I beat him. And that's a real good metaphor for life, that if, you, if you're aiming for love, if you're aiming for understanding, even if you're not that skilled, you'll get there. But if you're aiming for making your partner wrong, and you're aiming for showing people how uh, wonderful you are or how stupid they are, 
Well, then that is probably what you will get, and you will get the retaliation for that. So that that also reminds me of the idea of attitude, that attitude is actually probably more important than the words we throw out. Yeah. And and I know you talk about that. You, yeah. So can you reflect on that? Yeah, I have a funny story about that. Um, I, I talk about there's certain attitudes like curiosity or generosity or taking responsibility, but one of them is gratitude. And the story there is I had a friend who came back from India and said they got this magical mantra that helped him to feel grateful for his his wife and family. And I said, you know, could you tell me what that is? And he said, no, you'll have to go there yourself. So I traveled 18,000 miles. I get to India. Have you ever been to India? It's not I easy. I have. Yeah. It's, it's intense. <laughs> it's intense to get there. So I finally talked to the guru, and I say, would you uh, tell me what this magical mantra is that helped me feel grateful for my wife and family. And and he said, uh, yes, come on close. And in an Indian accent says, in order to feel grateful for everything, you must say these words. Whenever you see your wife or family, say, thank you. And I said, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles to get thank you? Are you kidding me? He said, that's it? He said, no, that's it is a mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is thank you. And it really works. If you say it from your heart, your, your mate will get that you really are grateful. And gratitude is a really powerful way to feel connected to someone. I'm here with Jonathan Robinson. He's the author of More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Jonathan Robinson. He's the author of many books, including More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his extensive website, morelovelessconflict.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Jonathan, we were talking about attitude, and you mentioned some of the attitudes, uh, effective attitudes like curiosity, generosity, gratitude. You mm-hmm. just mentioned um, responsibility. And um, I'm just wondering, in working with significant others, 
it's important, as you have pointed out, to know their style of communication. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important because we talk, we, we communicate with someone in the way that we communicate, and we don't even think about, well, maybe they don't get it because their style is so different. So what do you have to say about that? Well, to make it really simple, let's say there's two styles. There's uh, what I call more a feminine style, which might be more focused on uh, not being linear and being more uh, focused on empathy and feelings. And then on the other end of the continuum is a style that could be called more results-oriented. And a lot of times there's attraction between these two people because they both know they're missing something. But then when they get together, they don't really know how to talk to each other because in a way, they're each speaking a different language. So you have to learn uh, in communication how to speak other people's language if you want to be successful, whether it be successful in love or business. So uh, I'm more result-oriented, but I've had to learn how to be more listening, more empathetic, more understanding more uh, or less linear when talking with my wife. And she's had to learn how to do the opposite with me. So when you both speak English, you might think that you're speaking the same language, but really you're often speaking very different languages. So how do we give, give us some advice of how to bridge that gap? Well, you probably know which side of that continuum you're on. So for I have chapters in the More Love, Less Conflict book about how to speak more of this masculine language. Like, so what did you accomplish today? What was the highlight of your day? Um, praising, say, a guy who is accomplishing something because that's where he, he feels confident. Now, with a woman, you know, when women speak about their feelings and their days, men usually want to fix them. Yes, that's the, we got to get a result. You gave me a problem. Here's the result, you know? Whereas what women are really looking for in general is they want to feel understood and they want to have their feelings validated. Men don't know what that is. So even if a man can do that a little bit, he, it looks like he has a superpower. And what that sounds like is just saying stuff like, it sounds like you had a really stressful day. That must have been really frustrating and hard. So it's not rocket science, but people, the few people who can do that do shine because that is a very basic need to feel understood and to have our feelings validated, even if we don't agree with their underlying issue. So what I see that being is it's so powerful in that moment when we feel we have truly been received, just received. Yeah. That's all. I mean, I, I've told this story, I think, before on New Dimensions about when we were doing a move and, and I was just distraught and it was the end of, I was tired and I called up a friend and I just started crying. Mm. And I just, I mean, really ripping it off, really just sobbing <laughs> over the phone, just sobbing. Mm. And this, and this was a guy on the other end, mm-hmm. and Jody just sat on the other end of that phone and received me. Hmm. He didn't fix me. He didn't say, oh, Justine, what can I do to help or anything? 
he just allowed this kind of container that mm-hmm. contained my tears and held my tears with me. Yeah. And then when my crying was over, I felt so good. I felt so relieved. It's so healing. And, you know, for the people who don't know how to do that, for people who need that, it's a shame. Because if your partner can do that for you, you can cycle through these things really quickly. Whereas if they can't do that for you, you're like stuck. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree with that. And uh, so that's, that's really important. What about if we are working through these things, uh, we want more love, we want uh, empathy, we want understanding, and all of this from our partner. And we want it, we're enthusiastic about going through some of these techniques, mm-hmm. which you have just umpteen, umpteen million, not million, but lots of them in this book, and they're all wonderful. First of all, I want to say, I want to pause for a second and say, as I was going through this book, Jonathan, I thought, oh, I wish I had had this 40 years ago. Mm. You know, I was married to Michael for 45 years. And, you know, you you can always use this kind of help, no matter how good your relationship is. And uh, so I just want to say that. But going back to the idea mm-hmm. of wanting to use some of these techniques, but you have a partner who is unwilling to do it. You call it flying solo. Yeah. Is it possible to to have better communication without having a willing partner? It absolutely is. Um, I want to acknowledge that it is harder. But, you know, in dancing, it does take two to tango. But I have seen that when one partner gets really good at communication, it always impacts the other partner in a positive way. So, you know, if I ask you a question, a good question— you don't have to be the world's greatest communicator to answer that question. Like, what are you really wanting, Justine? Or what are you feeling now? Help, I, help me to understand you. If I say that to you, you'll probably be able to respond to that. You know, you don't need to go to therapy to respond to it. You don't need to read the book to respond to it. You're feeling my love. You're feeling my curiosity. And you'll feel the safety and be able to answer that question. So what I've seen is that Um, unlike therapy, where it really does take two people to be committed for good results, it really only takes one really good communicator to change the whole dynamic in the relationship. And so I have a lot of methods in there for, you know, if your partner's not interested in this, try this, try asking them this. You know, take something like a really simple exercise. Um, The number one predictor of how happy couples are is how many appreciations they say to each other. Now, you don't you can just start saying one appreciation a day to your partner and that's going to have momentous impact on your relationship. Now, don't tell my wife this and hopefully she won't hear this interview, but <laughs> I um I get caught up in work sometimes, so I actually have Siri on my iPhone remind me to do an appreciation every day. And it's always sincere cuz I have a lot of things about her I appreciate. And When I fill in the sentence, you know, something I notice today about you that I really appreciate is, and then I say something, she almost always says something back, and it gets the love flowing. So that's not rocket science. That's pretty easy to do. And if you're doing your part, it will force, not force, but it will invite the other person 
to communicate in a similar way. And if you want, later on in the broadcast, we can uh, try some of these communication exercises so people can see how easy they are. They're not complex. A lot of them are just fill-in-the-blank sentences and how they immediately create a little bit deeper conversation and more intimate conversation really automatically. So let's do one. Okay. Let's, let's well, try one. Let's do the appreciation one. How about um, something I noticed about you, now that we've known each other a little bit, that I really appreciate is uh, you're extremely thorough. Th this is the only interview where I'll travel hours to get to because you read the books, you have the questions, you have great questions. It's stimulating for me. And um, not only are you really thorough, but you also have a really big heart. And it's a nice combination. Not many people have that combination of like impeccability and big heart. And so I just, you know, any opportunity I get to talk to you is like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's true. It's true. I want to say uh, back to you, because, and it's easy, too. Uh -huh. uh, what I appreciate about you, Jonathan, is your presence. You re when you arrive, you arrive. You, I feel you totally here. I don't feel that you're distracted with other things that mm. you, I just feel your presence with me as complete and thorough as possible. And that just m makes people around you, it makes me around you want to shine mm. because you're, you're, shining a spotlight and, and enveloping me in this light of your being. So thank you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that feels good. You know, and, and we need more of that type of communication where, where you have a moment of connection or a moment where your, your heart is pierced. And there's ways of doing that. The technology does exist. But we have all these uh, I call them uh, WMDs, uh, not weapons of mass destruction, but widgets of mass distraction that keep us from the depth of connection that we're really looking for. You know, and a thousand Facebook friends does not really equal one really good friend, like, like the person who, who is there for you. So we need these little helpers that, that move us in the right direction towards intimacy, towards understanding, towards empathy, because that's what really, really feeds our heart. That reminds me of um, an exercise that you talk about in the book. And it was so surprising to me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm. And, and let me see if I can uh, cue you in so you can talk about it. It's, it's where you have two people coming to you, and you've been able to tell one of the, the persons that when the other person is speaking, you've instructed that second person to be very distracted, yes, to be yes. looking at their cell phone or, or flipping their pen or looking out the window or something. Right. And can you describe that and describe the aftermath of that exercise? Yeah. Well, I do this in my communication workshops. I have people pair up and one talks about what they're excited about in their life. And the other partner has secretly been given... Uh, this instruction, listen intensely for 15 seconds, then become increasingly distracted. So they all do this, a room full of people. And within about a minute, you know, everybody's playing with their pens or this and that. And the people who are trying to talk, 
usually get like incredibly aggravated or they just stop talking because it really takes two people to have a, a connection. And right now with the smartphones and the distractions and everything, a lot of times one person just isn't there. But um, what people realize is that we're all really sensitive to distractions. You know, if I'm looking at my watch while you're talking, I'm basically saying, oh, I'm kind of bored. You know, or if I yeah. pick up the phone, I'm saying, whoever's calling me is more important than you. So let's, uh, let's talk a little more about that. In just one moment, I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Jonathan Robinson. He's the author of More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Jonathan Robinson, and he's the author of More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. And I, I'd say that this works for any significant relationship. It's Absolutely. Not, you don't have to be in a, in a couple, but people we work with, our siblings, I mean, our neighbors, you know, it can, can work with in lots of different situations. And um, is, is there any one thing that you want to add to that, what we were talking about when we're talking to someone and they're distracted and yeah. how, how hard it is, that, that doesn't set up a good communication uh, avenue. Yeah, you know, the average American interrupts somebody 12 times a day, according to studies. And what interruption is basically saying is this, what you have to say is so boring or such a waste of my time that I'm going to stop you right now to save me a few precious seconds and tell you what's really important. That is what an interruption is. Now, the fact that we're, that's invisible to us and we allow each other to do it 12 times a day shows the state of our communication. So I certainly recommend to people, try not to interrupt people because it's rude. And uh, to realize that if you can be somebody who isn't distracted, who isn't interrupting, and just doing the basics, you will once again shine because you're competing in a certain way against people who don't listen, who are playing with their smartphone, who are interrupting. And those people don't really get a depth of connection that they're really wanting deep down. Yes, yes. And that's a practice. I mean, it's like uh, uh, working out in a gym and, and getting stronger. It's you need to practice that, practice holding your tongue, so to speak. Exactly. And then maybe being, being more curious. And you might find out something surprising that you were assuming one thing and then you might find something else shows up. Yeah, yeah. I ask a lot of questions and obviously you do too, which is like, well, why are you thinking that? Or what's your thinking about that? Or why do you view it that way? Or anything like this. And, you know, that's a natural thing for me. I, I wasn't good at this naturally. I was a very shy, depressed teen. But I wanted to um, have sex with women. And I realized that communication was a key. 
So that's what initially got me. I'm not. I'm no saint here. That was you know. a high motivation. Yeah, I was very motivated as a teenager that way. Um, so that got me reading books and and helped me to learn this. And that's why I can teach it because I don't have natural skill. Some people are naturally skilled at this and they can't teach it because you know it's like breathing, but. When you break it down, it really comes down to like some fill-in-the-blank sentences, some very simple methods that anybody can learn in a couple hours if they are interested. And the payoff is pretty immense. That reminds me of something that you talk about, the language of love, learning the language of love. And you give a striking example in your book of (laughs) something in your own life. Yeah, yeah. Please tell that story because I think it really points out something that we've all experienced. Yeah. Well, so I met when in my early 20s, I had a girlfriend that um, uh, would tell me that she loved me a lot. And I never told her that I loved her. The words I love you were very uncomfortable for me. Um, so one day I'm massaging her, as I often did, and she said, would you cut that out? And I was like taken aback, like, well, what? She said, you're always, you're always touching me. You're always grabbing me. And I said, yeah, that's my way of showing you that I care about you. And she said, well, I don't feel very loved. I mean, you never tell me that you love me. I had to admit that that was true. And yet she told me that she loved me all the time. So we were discussing what was going on here. And um, I, uh, when I was a kid, I had a stepfather who whenever I did something he thought was wrong, he would take out his strap and he'd hit me with it. But before he'd do that, he would say, I'm doing this because I love you. So I associated the words, I love you with, I'm about to beat the crap out of you. So she told me these words. She thought she was being loving, but every time I was like, uh-oh, here it comes, you know. And she took my massages as a sign of impending doom because She used to have an uncle who would give her massages, and one day he raped her. So she took my massages as I'm about to get, you know, molested. So we both thought we were doing something loving for the other person, but we were actually doing the worst thing possible because we never asked each other, what helps you to feel loved or what triggers you? which is a very useful conversation to have. I have a chapter in the book about that. You know, knowing what your partner's triggers are, knowing what makes them feel loved, because it's very different than what makes you feel loved, most likely. And we make assumptions mm-hmm. about, well, we, we assume this is, if I do this for my partner, then they'll know that I love them. Right. And uh, I, I know Michael would, my partner, uh he would often use the words for me, I love you. He would say those, but that did not impact me like if he did some demonstration of some service, some act. Of, yeah. of some mm-hmm. act mm-hmm. That's where I would feel loved. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we ever really got over that. We didn't have your book at that well, time. You, well, people don't know this information and their relationship suffers, but it's not rocket science, you can learn that information in two minutes if you ask the right question. And that's the key. And that's what you are all about. And you mentioned that earlier. It's like, fine, asking good questions, asking the 
effective questions. I, yeah. I think um, in the Buddhist tradition, it's uh, being effective in our speech, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, I just find that so great. I'm reminded Einstein said, if I want to solve a problem in an hour, mm-hmm. if I spend 55 minutes on asking the right question, then I can solve it in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you that's what you were about. Yeah, one of the things, because I find it so quick and so effective, I'm actually really about what can I do in under a minute that will lead to more love and more peace? And questions are a great way of doing that if you have the right question. You know, and some people would say, one minute, come on. But, you know, I got to say, like, they'll say, oh, that's just a quick fix. Uh huh. And uh, I think that you would challenge that. Well, take something like, what helps you to feel loved? My, my wife answered that. Totally different than what helps me feel loved. That's very in, useful information. That's not just useful for that minute. That's useful for until with the day we die. We have a friend for life now that I know that information. Or how about, you know, if you're trying to enjoy each other in the bedroom, what do you really like sexually? Most couples have not a clue. So their love life is much worse because they don't know this useful information. It doesn't take long to get that information or, um, you know, when we communicate what would help when you're talking about difficulties, what would you like from me? Well, the woman might want empathy. The man might want suggestions of how to change the situation. But if they don't know that information, they will suffer because of their ignorance. You know, and you, you brought up sex life. Now, that's kind of a foreboding subject, and mo- many couples don't approach that. They just kind of suffer through uh, certain things that they don't really care for. They wish their partner would, yeah. and they, 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 they do that conversation, for some reason, there's so much shame around it mm-hmm. or something going on. Do you have any clue as what's going on, why we don't talk more freely with one another? Well, obviously, there's so much shame around uh, sexuality, and we have a hard time saying what we want because there's some vulnerability there. And, you know, if you have the right method, once again, it can help you around that. Like, for example, I suggest that people write down a piece of paper. It takes two minutes. Three things I really love about our love life are, and be specific, three things that I don't really care for are. You exchange sheets. You're done. You did it in three minutes. You just improved your love life probably 100%. Yeah, there you go. One of the exercises that you have is yellow light, red light. Yeah. And I I, I thought that was good. Uh, Can you describe what what that is all about? You know, when you're stressed is when your communication tends to be the worst. And you develop a momentum, you get into the anger, and then you say stupid things, and then you have an argument, and then you have to spend days, hours, whatever, repairing that. I found that if you have the two, if you can say two words when stressed, you can avoid all of that. I like those two-word methods. And um, the two words can either be yellow light or red light. A yellow light means let's take a two-minute timeout and just sit here silently and see if we can calm down, re-engage our prefrontal cortex rather than our lizard brain, and be able to talk this out by just taking a little bit of time out so we can calm down. 
a red light means like we're both incredibly triggered when we're about to, you know, smack each other or something. Let's take an hour time out and come back and see if we can talk this out. Couples that do that can literally end their arguments. I have couples that argue, have argued four times a week for 40 years, and they, using this one simple method, they eliminate their arguments. You know, a good technology can do something like that. And anybody, even when stressed out, can say two words. So I love that method because it's so effective and so easy and has a large effect on relationships. And I love it in your book. You say, if, if you say yellow light and your partner then keeps talking, what you There's a ha- penalty. There's yes. a penalty. Can you describe the penalty? I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Well, if they say red light and you keep talking, there's uh, yeah. a penalty. And that was, it's a dollar per word. So if you say if you say twenty words after they said red light, um, it's a violation. So it's it, you have to pay them a dollar per word. And once I did that with my wife, because I was very upset, and uh, I ended up saying like two sentences. It was twenty words. I paid the money. Um, either you pay it to them, or you can rip it up. That's the other thing you can do. And uh, I'm cheap, so I've never had to do that again since then. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's great. That's great. But that also points out that you're still working on it. You, you're Absolutely. not, you know, that that you still use this right now. You've been married for for several decades, and yeah, uh, it, it's not like you're not in the middle of the soup with the rest of us. Yeah. Well, I wrote a book many years ago called Communication Miracles for Couples, and it became a bestseller. And um, as I used the methods, I saw that some of them were actually too complex for me to use when I was upset. So then I thought, well, how can we make this even easier and simpler? And that's where I came up with the methods and more that's love, less great. conflict. That's great. I just love it because you're your own guinea pig, so to speak. Yeah. So um, I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Jonathan Robinson, and he's the author of many books, um, including one of my favorite, Life's Big Questions. That was the first book I ever discovered Mm -hmm. of yours, and I just loved it. It's a short book, but it's 200 Ways to Explore Your Spiritual Life. And I just continue Mm -hmm. to refer to that one Mm because they have so many good questions. And, of course, More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. And if you want to know more about his work, go to his website, morelovelessconflict.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Jonathan Robinson, and he's the author of More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. And Jonathan, um, I'd love for us to do another demonstration of uh, one of the techniques that you talk about in the book, if you'd like to share one. Sure. Uh, No, there's so many, but uh, here's one that's very easy to explain. It's fill in the blank, and you can do this with anyone, anytime. It immediately leads to getting to know each other very deeply and quickly. And it's filling in the sentence, if you really knew me, you would know blank. So, uh, Justine, if you really knew me, you would know, when I do interviews, I'm always a little worried that I might be coming off too much as a salesman, because I feel very passionately about this stuff. I want to shake people and say, you need to know this stuff, you know, but so I'm always like, tone it down, just, you know, come off that way, because I don't like salespeople. So if you really knew me, you'd know that that's a, a issue I'm always struggling with on interviews. Well done. Well done. I wouldn't have known that. Yes. There you go. I'd like to share. Sure. If you really knew me, you would know that before every interview, I am completely out of sorts. And I was thinking, oh, I hope this goes well. Oh, I wonder if I'm up for this. I'm mm. wondering, can I really help this interview be all that I know it could be because I'm excited about mm. what I read? And and I just, I just feel ill-equipped to actually be able to facilitate. And so I come into it with a little bit of that anxiety. I mean, sometimes not just a little bit, with a lot of uh-huh. that anxiety. But I must admit that once I sit down with the guest, then that first question rolls out. Mm-hmm. Then it, it it does disappear, and, and we're just mm-hmm. there together. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I do a little prayer of... of Thanksgiving to my invisible support, Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual support uh, at some point early on to be with me. So you really knew me. You know that. I didn't, yeah. You know, because you're so good at what you do. I didn't know that you went through that. You know, when we, as I said earlier, when people share intimate details into me, see, there's more connection. There's less of a wall there. There's less separateness. And that feels really good. I've had people do that, strangers do that in in uh, workshops in 10 minutes. And they feel, would say, I feel more connected to this person than I do my, my entire family in 10 minutes with a stranger. So these are powerful technologies. You want to make sure you use them well, because if you use them well— You'll have a lot of love in your life, and and uh, but they are powerful. So you want to make sure that you use them as like sacred medicine. Yes, I like that as sacred medicine. So you have a respect for them. Yeah, you're not just flipping them out as some parlor game. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would love to have you speak about trust, mm-hmm. and I know that we say that money is the grease of. Business. Yeah, it's a currency in business. It's a currency of business. And you say that trust is a currency of relationships. So mm-hmm. can, you, can you elaborate? Yeah. Well, when we are spending time with somebody, we're always, in a way, subconsciously asking, can I trust this person? Do they have my goodwill at heart, or are they trying to get something from me? Even in businesses, you know, there's certain businesses like, I will, um, I will buy anything from Apple no matter how much it costs because their service is really good, and I trust that service. 
And I will do everything I can to avoid other companies because when you call them, they say, your call is very important to us. That's why we hired one person in India to cover the entire United States. Please be on hold for the next two hours while we give a recording of how important your call is to us. I don't trust those people because they're lying to me. And um, trust, when you trust somebody, it's very easy to open in love. It's very easy to work out problems. But if you don't have trust, you don't have love, and you can't work out problems because there's no trust. So it's like the, the uh, soil of which love and relationship grows. And, you know, problems aren't the problem because in working through problems, well, trust develops and you develop roots so that, you know, a couple that's worked out a hundred problems with each other and they develop a lot of trust, they know that no matter what crap hits a fan, they'll be able to handle it. And you talk about how trust, you develop a bank account yeah. And you need to make, I like the idea of roots, but another metaphor is yeah. you, you, you have to put money into that bank account yeah. uh, regularly. And, and you talk about how divorce is kind of a bankruptcy. Yeah, you're you saying know? like we have no more trust here, let's declare bankruptcy. Whereas if you, let's say um, you've built up a lot of trust with somebody, you have a million dollars in that emotional bank account. When something happens, maybe even an affair, which is a breach of trust, you can handle it. It's a withdrawal, but you have stuff to withdraw. Yeah. You know, so um, life gives us difficulties that we do have to occasionally make withdrawals. You want to make sure that you have some trust in that bank account so that you can when you need it. So, Jonathan, what about, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to like um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So what about if if a couple is facing like that bottom foundational bedrock yeah. level of feeling unsafe? Yeah. Uh, like maybe their roof over their head is threatened or maybe they're, one of them has lost their job and their livelihood or maybe their children are threatened. These are like some of that bedrock stuff. And that is very, very stressful. What advice do you have if, if people are working from that level of stress. Yeah. Well, you know, the simple act of saying things that you can appreciate, it might be really small. Like, I really appreciate how, even though you have all this stress going on, that you weren't uh, upset at me yesterday. Or when you uh, gave me that smile yesterday. You're starting to build some goodness there, some trust there. Uh, to counteract the the stress. That's one thing you can do. But as you know, it's incredibly healing. If somebody, if couples can give empathy to each other, if you can give empathy to yourself, and I talk about how to do that, sometimes you need an emergency dose of self-empathy because your partner just can't give you any in that moment. If you can give it to yourself or if you can give it to others, it's like having a billion dollars in the bank because you have something that everybody wants. So, for example, how would I give myself empathy in Uh in that situation? Well, you might say, and I give examples in the book, but you might say, hey, you're going through a really hard time. This is incredibly stressful. The fact that you're not freaking out is amazing. You're really doing a great job. Just take some deep breaths. Be sure and take care of yourself. 
Um, I love you. You're you're really hanging on well. It's only going to last a little bit longer, and and make sure that uh, you know that you know this is going to pass. Yeah, that might be the way I would do it. That that takes me to one other that that you have that I don't think we've covered so far, um, and this is where we misinterpret the information in front of us. Yeah. That we we make this assumption that, okay, this is what it means. Oh, you give that great example of the, going back to India. Yeah, yeah. The, the man who goes to oh, the guru the, for the, heaven and hell to describe heaven and hell. Yeah, I'll um, give the story. So uh, this uh, person goes up to a monk and asks, uh, well, if you're so wise, teach me a lesson about heaven and hell. And the monk says, teach you? I couldn't teach you anything. You're ugly. You're disgusting. You smell bad. You don't have a carrying bone in your whole body. Just get out of my sight. And the man gets red in the face. He shakes with rage, and he's ready to punch the monk in the face. And the monk says, that's hell. And he realizes this monk risking beaten up to teach him this lesson about hell. And he's amazed, and he, he unclenches his fists. And in deep gratitude, he bows to the monk, and the monk says, and that's heaven. So what I like about the story is that based on how we interpret the events in our life and how we interpret communications, we create heaven or hell. He created a moment of hell for himself at first by interpreting that this monk is putting him down for no good reason. And then he created a moment of heaven for himself by realizing that this monk um, actually risked getting beaten up to serve him. And that was all based on interpretation. Now, I don't know about you, uh, Justine, but I sometimes misinterpret things. And one question has been very helpful in getting me to see that I may not have all the facts. And that is uh, the question, what else could this mean? So, you know, a few weeks ago, I told my wife, oh, be sure and call me tonight, you know, because it's the only time I have available, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't call. And I thought, she doesn't really care about me. I told her something that was really important to me, and she didn't do it. I'm like, I'm starting to get into that. And then that question came up, well, what else could this mean? Well, she could be in a car accident, or could be that something happened with our dogs, and she's taking care of it, or whatever. And then I was less sure. So I was no longer angry. I was more a little bit concerned. And it ends up that something had happened with our dogs that she needed to take care of. And so when she called me the next day, it was like, oh, thank God you're okay. Thank God the dogs are okay. But if you don't have that little, what else could this mean? You can misinterpret stuff and, and have it be resentful for years. So great example, and you've given so many wonderful examples that just give a little little taste and flavor of what what your work is about. And I mm-hmm. just suggest that people look it up. So I thank you so much, Jonathan, for My being pleasure. with us today. Yeah, I've been here with Jonathan Robinson. He's the author of More Love, Less Conflict: A Communication Playbook for Couples. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to his website. MoreLoveLessConflict.com. Or I do you, want to mention please. that people can go to the website and download the 12 questions of instant intimacy for free. And these are questions that no matter who you ask, they always lead to a deep, open, intimate conversation. And it's a really great gift to explore. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So people will be stimulated to, to follow through and look it up. And that's uh, more 
lovelessconflict.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3647. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org, or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.